0: Hello everybody, how we doing tonight? I'm Shawn McMahon, joined by Alex Frank. Welcome back to Inside the 275 Loop. Tonight, we will discuss this past weekend as the Cincinnati Bearcats took on the Army Black Knights in historic Nippert Stadium, eking out a win 24-10 to over the Black Knights. And Alex, it was a really close game for what felt like a really long time.
1: It certainly was. I mean... The Bearcats struggled a little bit on offense, particularly running the football. And, uh, you know, that was addressed at Luke Fickle's press conference yesterday. And someone asked him a question of, you know, particularly the inside running game, struggling to get going. In time, Sean, I'm thinking back to that touchdown drive in the third quarter that put the Bearcats up 17-7. Didn't you notice a lot of the runs were kind of going to the outside, the perimeter? And I think the Bearcats were trying to attack the perimeter often in that game, knowing that Army's defense was pretty stout as they were in their two games coming in. So I thought that the Bearcats coaching staff adjusted really well to what was happening, but it, it, it was a struggle. And Desmond Ritter, for as good as he looked at times, that 91-yard drive was really impressive. The touchdown to Jared Dokes was impressive. He struggled a little bit too. But man, just give so much credit to Marcus Friedman and the Bearcats defense, and Luke Fickle said it after the game, that he didn't think the Bearcats could have played any better on defense than they did. I mean, we knew Marcus Friedman was a pretty darn good defensive coordinator, but this game just completely validated that.
0: Yeah, certainly. He's probably going to be getting a lot of calls, you know, after this season or during parts of this season from maybe NFL teams, other college teams to be a head coach. And, you know, coordinators at some point in their career, they're probably going to be a head coach or they want to at least be one at some point. And Marcus Freeman has has shown I think that he is definitely capable of of being a head coach one day for a future program. Now he hasn't done an interim job here or anything yet. He hasn't I don't think he's necessarily been a head coach anywhere else as far as I know. I don't think he ever coached any like high school team or anything. He's pretty young into his career, so he obviously as we mentioned a lot of times before he's been with Luke Fickle for a long time. And I agree that the defense really could not have played any better. Cause guess what? They gave up no touchdowns. The only touchdown that was given up was from a shovel pass from Ritter to I believe it was Charles McCle- it was Charles McClellan to the left side, heading to the north end zone, and Army I think it was a cornerback swatted it. Picked it up, ran it back. Yeah, that was also. I don't blame Desmond Ritter for that. I just think that the defensive back made a great read on the play and just timed it really well. Desmond Ritter could not have seen him coming when you go back and you look at the footage. So it's really not entirely Desmond Ritter's fault. I just think the defense made a great play on the ball, but the defense gave up three points, one field goal in the fourth quarter, and that was it. It was we scored in every single quarter. Cincinnati only scoring three in the first. A touchdown in the second, a touchdown in the third, and a touchdown in the fourth. And I believe one of them was to Michael The first touchdown was to Michael Young. Yeah. The second touchdown was to Jerome Ford. And the third touchdown, to top it all off, but the nice cherry on top was, of course, Jared Doakes. And Army only scoring one field goal, not scoring at all in the second and third quarter. So I think Cincinnati's defense could not have had a better game. The offense... Maybe. But at the same time, you've got to look at, at Army's defense. They, they had an incredible defense, and there's no doubt about that, because their defensive line, like I mentioned last week, uh, maybe not on the show, but before the game, Army's defense, as they mentioned on game day, practices the triple option against its offense— So you would expect its defense to be able to hold up really well, and it did, and it shows in the rushing yards from Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that to me right before we left here for the game, and sure enough, I mean, we look at the rushing numbers, I don't have them right in front of me, but... I got you right here. Okay, so the rushing numbers for Cincinnati, 69 yards on 35 carries, that's that's not even two yards a carry, well, it is if you round it up, but... Yeah, it was a struggle running the football, but give credit to where credit is due. I think also what helped the Bearcats was getting a short field on that touchdown because of the fumble by Michael Pitts, and he. I he, I think you really have to tip your cap to the way he played. He played a lot of effort. Everyone talk. Everyone's going to talk about how great Jarrell White was, who was on, who was named the AAC Defensive Player of the Week for 15 tackles, 15 tackles. Great game from him. Yeah, but Michael Pitts and um. I'm trying to think of Elijah Ponder had a career-high eight tackles. You saw J. Sanders get in there with a tip ball. And, you know, just just effort plays by him and Curtis Brooks, you know, just, you know, stopping momentum, whether it was Christian Anderson, Army's quarterback, rolling out to the right with a full head of steam, and he kind of altered the momentum a little bit. It's just the little things in this game that really added up more so in the Bearcats' favor. Um... And you mentioned, you know, the defense. I don't have the the drive chart right in front of me, but I think if my memory serves me correctly, that Army had two possessions, reach the red zone, mm-hmm. and, I think, one, I think that is and one of them, and one of them was off an interception. Mm-hmm. So they had a very, sh- and the interception gave them the ball at the forty-two yard line, I believe. So they had a very short field. And at that point in time, you know, the Bearcats, the Bearcats defense was kind of just getting into the into the game a little bit, but. I tell you what, as the game wore on, you saw that defensive line and that linebacking core, and Ahmad Gardner had an interception. I mean, if you would have told me that Ahmad Gardner would have an interception against in, Army. yeah, against Army, I, I don't know if I would have believed you. But I tell you what, just just overall, just a fantastic, well played game by the Bearcats defense and offensively too. Like you're seeing the potential that's there. I saw a comment in the Athletic that someone said that our offense is capped. Because of Desmond Ritter, I hope that's not the case.
0: he's saying that it has no more potential yeah because for...
1: because Ritter because Ritter's uh in inconsistency throwing the football down the field and and they're right, I mean we saw it on Sunday mm-hmm. now, some of them you know Luke Fickle admitted that's not all on Ritter it's the fact that the receivers maybe could have wow, okay, so um. Maybe the receivers could have you know, gotten under the ball a little bit. I think there was one player where Michael Young could have gotten under it a little bit better. But at the same time, look, better have it happen in Game 2 than in Game 9.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. You look at Ritter's numbers here. Uh, 18 for 33 for 258 yards, averaging 7.8 yards a throw with two touchdowns, QBR of 38. Ben Bryant had uh let's see here one one attempt and was one for one for four yards and a QBR of 73 that's not really a whole lot but Ritter I mean despite the fact that he definitely you know struggled with accuracy as we all as we saw um despite that he had a pretty pretty good game against a pretty tough army defense and I want to add on by the way a lot of passes were also batted down at the line by Army's defense, so that played into the incompletions um, and, you know, so on and so forth. But also, another thing, give credit to Army's defense as well for stopping Cincinnati on fourth and one at the goal line. I mean, that that's a pretty impressive defensive stand on a QB sneak. That that's That is hard to replicate. That's hard to do, so I got to give credit to Army's defense there.
1: Yeah, and I give credit to Mike Denbrock for running that play. That's the smart play. And with an offensive line like Cincinnati, which is better this year. and I, I thought did, I, They played better. Yeah, they I, th- I thought better. for the most part they did. The run blocking is going to have to get a little bit better. But at the same time, um, they held up well in the passing game. And by the way, to answer your question, Marcus Freeman, this is his first defensive coordinator job. Got it. He okay. was well. Actually, it's technically his second. He was the co-defensive coordinator at Purdue in 2016. After three years as the linebackers coach, he was also the linebackers coach for two years at Kent State, and before that, he began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Ohio State in 2010.
0: Uh, that makes sense because he would worked at so, Fickle.
1: Yeah, he's he's risen through the coaching ranks very very well. Now you can now you can say about Marcus Freeman. I don't mean to change the subject, but you can say that Marcus Freeman wants to be head coach, but. Has he ever said that? I mean, no, you, you would think that one would think that he would, because that's continuing up the ladder of success. But I mean, I think about, I think about Dick LeBeau and how many years as a defensive coordinator he was. I think about Bruce Arians. I think about Josh McDaniels. I mean, he, Josh McDaniels, accepted a coaching offer and then backed out of it with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if you remember that in 2018. I don't.
0: Have
1: it any. was it was right after the Super Bowl the the Super Bowl that the Patriots lost to the Eagles and you know because it was going to be that the Patriots were gonna lose both him as the offensive coordinator and Matt Patricia as their defensive coordinator at the time who we went to Detroit and McDaniels just backed out last minute. Hmm. Interesting last minute.
0: Yeah, no Marcus Freeman I mean you make a great point about those other defense, those other coordinators. Um I but I do think that one day Marcus Freeman's going to be offered. Now it could be after this year, it could be in the next couple of days. Is going to be offered many head coaching positions because they like a lot of these programs and a lot of these organizations, pro or you know college, are going to look at this guy and go, "Wow, I'd like to pay him a lot of money to run my to run my school to run my program." And he's under Luke Fickle. Heck yeah, I'll take him. But he's you
1: know? so, but he's so one sided. You got to remember that.
0: I, of course, yeah, right. I agree. And I feel like he's maybe not going to go anywhere for a while. I feel like if if he's going to go anywhere, it's wherever Luke Fickle's going. I feel like Luke Fickle, if he leaves for, I don't know, I feel like the only job Luke Fickle would really take, if I'm being honest with you, is Ohio State. I think that's the only job. I, I could be wrong. I could be seriously wrong. But I'd like to think that the only job he would take would be Ohio State. And that seems to be pretty solidified with Ryan Day, who, by the way, actually kind of, uh, he met, He met and exceeded expectations of Ohio State fans. I mean, he did fantastic in his first year. But. Yeah, he
1: really did. Um, but, if this, but I think you're right, Sean. There's And we said this last year, and I've always believed this, that Luke is not going to just pack up and go to, oh, I don't know, Corvallis, Oregon. Like, it, it has to be a very, very specific job. And that's why we all kind of freaked out a little bit when Michigan State opened up, because it's in the Big Ten, it's regionalized, and Luke Fickle has great ties to this area, but, I mean... Michigan State, Lansing. You want to go there?
0: All the scandals that are involved in that. Program exactly. As well. I mean, I mean, yeah.
1: Cincinnati, as far as we know, it it is a very clean cut program. Mm-hmm. Football, men's basketball. I mean, what other head coaching job? I mean, he would take Ohio State, but Ryan Day's solidified there for the Pretty next, for, for at least for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, I would say at least five years. Yeah,
1: he's not. He's never taking Michigan. No. Wisconsin's got their head coach and Paul Christ. Iowa? Could he take Iowa? No, maybe. I don't. I don't think he would. I don't
0: because th- you also have to remember the family aspect of it too.
1: Yeah, and, and think about that. Like you think about Luke Fickle's a devoted Catholic, and their family's devoted Catholics. I Actually,
0: wasn't aware of that, but I guess it makes sense.
1: Because- where else? Where else is there a great Catholic school system in the country besides Cincinnati?
0: Oh, that's a good point. I would St. Louis. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Across the river in Kentucky's not too bad, really. Um, okay,
1: okay, but that's still Cincinnati, right?
0: That's yeah, pretty much, yeah.
1: What, what's he gonna what's he gonna do? Go coach Kentucky? Yeah. They they got Mark they got Mark Stoops. They're fine there.
0: I think Catholic schools maybe Louisville's
1: game. got their head coach.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think really there's no where Luke Fickle's gonna go. I mean, I remember people were talking about him going to West Virginia. It's like what? No, like you're like, not packing. You're, you mean?
1: you're not packing up. You're not packing up your family to move to Morgantown, West Virginia. Now, granted, Big Twelve. West Virginia has a great football program, or at least a great history. And
0: had a great year that year as well, that season. After, when he was offered, that was the year after Will Greer.
1: Correct. And they actually kind of fell off a little bit as the season wore on. They did. They lost their last two games. But, I I mean, and and think about this too, Sean. Like, Marcus Freeman and Luke Fickle are attached at the hip. Mm -hmm. So, if Luke Fickle's not going anywhere, Marcus Freeman, chances are he's not going anywhere either. Because if Marcus Freeman's name is being thrown around, guess who he's going to for how to for advice and mentorship on how to handle this situation?
0: The guy who's been his mentor the entire time. Exactly.
1: See, this this is a, this is a perfect position for us as fans. When Luke Fickle took this job, this job is not a stepping stone. Now, I mean, look, I mean think about this too, Sean. Like Doc Holliday and Marshall, he's been there. He's been there for ten years. Mm-hmm. Frank Solich at Ohio, he's been there for about fifteen years.
0: Both not doing too bad. No. Both
1: doing pretty good. And in basketball, look at Mark Few at Gonzaga. He's been there for 20 years. Gonzaga. And Gonzaga plays in the West Coast Conference. The Americans a better conference than that.
0: Yeah, but Gonzaga has proven time and time again, thanks to his coaching, that they are an elite program, which is is really... Oh, absolutely. That pays homage to his coaching, really.
1: It pays, pays homage to his coach He pays homage to the ability to recruit. I mean, they they can recruit Gonzaga, and not only can they recruit in the Washington, Seattle area or Spokane, excuse me, they can recruit all over the country.
0: They can really, yeah. They've become such. I mean, they went to the national championship just a few years ago.
1: Um, yeah, someone, tried, someone, Elliot Rearing on her staff tried to tell me that Gonzaga is not a championship caliber program. I'm sorry, if you play for a national championship, you're a championship caliber. Doesn't mean you have won a championship, yeah. but you, if you are playing for a national championship. Your championship caliber.
0: I agree. I, I, I would have to disagree with that statement from Elliot. yeah. But I think we're getting a little bit off topic when we're talking about Gonzaga. So yeah, well, go it's, it's, to... just, it's just
1: because of how great Marcus Freeman's defensive performance was and that he's still here. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. It, it, it's remarkable to me. Like It could not be a more perfect position where Luke Fickle is here. And the fact that around him, because this program for years had been that stepping stone program... For guys like Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, and Butch Jones, it's not that for Luke Fickle.
0: It was a stepping downstone for um, for Tubbs, but keep
1: going. Well, his coaching philosophy was...
0: Yeah, questionable at best.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I'm saying is you think about... Sorry, you think about all the stuff around... The programs around him, and you think about who Luke Fickle is. He's not those previous head coaches. He's only going to take a certain job. And that certain job number one is Ohio State. Well, guess what? They have their head coach.
0: They're taken, and he ain't gonna go back to be a defensive coordinator. That's for sure.
1: It's like the first break that look that that we got as fans was when Ohio State went to Ryan Day to be their next head coach because they could have done a they could have done a national coaching search, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They stayed in house, and that's paid that's paid some serious dividends. I give them a lot of credit.
0: I give them credit because I mean he only has one loss, Ryan Day. Yeah, Even and including and it's his interim days,
1: and it's to Clemson, who was very good last year.
0: Ohio State is still never beaten. But yep. Okay, back to back, back to the game. Anyway, we look at the passing yards. Uh, Jerome Ford had, oh, I'm sorry, rushing yards rather. Jerome Ford had eight carries for 34 yards. Charles Melan six for 30. That's fine. Jared Dokes ten for 23. Ryan Montgomery one for one, <laughs> one carry for one yard. Uh, Desmond Ritter had. Wow, wait, is that, is that right? Yeah. Seven for negative 14. Well, those are
1: probably the times where he was sacked. Oh, the
0: scrambling, that's that's a good point. Yeah, and so that's a total of 35 carries for 69 yards. But take so.
1: Desmond Ritter away, and you have 28 for 83, which is just under three yards a carry. I mean, that's not that great either, but... Right. Um, how about um, we look at the receptions?
0: Yeah, it's very spread across the board. I mean, look at look at how many players are here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different receivers. Three of them are tight ends, by the way. Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, and Bruno LaBelle, each respectfully with one catch each. Josh Wiley with fourteen yards, Lenny T with five, Bruno LaBelle with two.
1: But the things that stand out to me, Sean, are Jay Sean Jackson and Michael Young, receivers. And what's one area where the Bearcats struggled last year is the ability to establish the play on the perimeter. I go back to that 91-yard drive. You saw the Bearcats attacking the perimeter, using the whole field. Because last year it was Josiah Deguara and occasionally Alec Pierce. Wish it would have been Rashad Maderis more often. But you saw on Saturday, on that drive, it was hitting Jayshon Jackson to the near side. It was Michael Young. It was Jayshon Jackson in the middle of the field. It was Charles McClellan who getting to the perimeter on a run, whoever it was. That's going to win you games in this conference. Because I'm telling you right now, UCF has looked pretty damn good their first two games. Um, We know who, SM, we know who SMU is. Memphis, we know who they are. So if you're going to win in this conference, you better establish play on the perimeter.
0: Absolutely. And you look at these some of these numbers here. Jason Jackson, 4-for-75. Jared Dokes had one reception for 60 yards and a touchdown.
1: Well, that was the biggest play of the game, too. It it
0: really was. That sealed the fate for Army. Uh, Michael Young had a touchdown, five catches for 60 yards. Uh, uh, So look at these longest plays. Jayshon Jackson, one of his catches over the middle, as you mentioned earlier, was for 45 yards. Jared Dokes was for 60, which was the longest. Michael Young had one catch for 27 yards. Uh, Jaden Thompson, the transfer from Arkansas, had two catches for 20 yards, but his longest reception was 16. Josh Wiley even had one catch that was 14 yards. Trey Tucker, two for 13. You look at these numbers, and I mean, you compare this to last year, I don't know that you would have seen this many different receivers in the receiving list. Now, maybe you would have seen this for in terms, of, in terms of who Desmond Ritter was targeting, but I don't think you really would have seen these numbers. I, I really, truly don't. 262 yards passing... And just the number of different receivers that are in here, I, I really truly don't think that you would have seen that. I
1: think you. I think Ritter only reached the two hundred yard mark three times last year. Really? I'm sorry, four. the The opening game against UCLA, he was great in that game. Played great there. Yeah. Uh, the Marshall game.
0: That was a blowout. Yeah.
1: And he might have had more. And he would have had more yards had the game not been a blowout. And then the. Uh, the Houston game, he threw for like 263 in that game. He was having a real nice day in that in that game. Yeah, I remember that. That might have been, been his best game of the year. That game
0: was a lot closer than people remember because the last touchdown was uh, Brian Wright tipping the ball up in the air and Perry Young caught yeah. it for, a, <laughs> for an easy pick six.
1: Well, Houston was also, I mean, you're, they're playing at home. They're not going to give in. And um, they were kind of playing for their lives at that point. They
0: had our number for a little bit. They really did. They were out to get us. They, they came kind of close. They did. Yeah,
1: they had some opportunities in that game, um, and they kept it close. Uh, and then the championship game, he had like 230-something. So he did reach the 200-yard mark at times, but it, it was a struggle last year for Ritter. I mean, that's um, the best that we can put it. But so far this year, uh, first game, very solid. Second game, they try to go to the air, miss some plays. But they hit the home run ball. Yeah, they did. And, to, and, and, go ahead. To Dokes. I was just gonna say who it was. I
0: was gonna say you look at these numbers as well for the turnovers. Cincinnati and Army both with two, both with one interception and a fumble. The fumble coming from Rivers pitch, and another one, a missed opportunity to Michael Young down the left sideline, which was just behind him, got tipped, and then was intercepted, which was actually it was a pretty impressive catch. I'll have to give that to. The- it was the
1: same guy. So the same guy who had the fumble return. Also had the interception. That is correct.
0: I forgot about Jabari that Moore, number four. There he is, right there. Yeah, he um, Christian Anderson, the quarterback for Army, fumbled the ball one time after getting tackled, I believe, by Michael Pitts, and then Ahmad Gardner, of course, with a huge interception to get the Bearcats the ball back. Also, Ethan Tucky had a punt block right near the goal line. That's I think that fit. was where that was where we got stopped. Yeah. Was really but again, exciting.
1: again, what you did on that, what you did there was you flipped the field. And even though Army drove down the field on their last first half possession, the fact that you they started, at, they had to start at the one-yard line and they had to you know, stop the Bearcats on fourth and goal. So that was a, I mean, at the time it was a huge momentum swing. Now we look at some of the defensive numbers, Sean, that you were mentioning. So we got um, Jarrell White, 15 tackles. Elijah Ponder had eight tackles. Uh Michael Pitts with seven. I think
0: Well, these are the solo tackles are over here to, the, to this column right here. These seven are seven
1: total tackles, three of them solo. I wonder how many tackles for loss he had. He didn't have any tackles for loss. I know he had a fumble force. Uh my J. Sanders played a really nice game. My J. Sanders
0: played really well. He had a sack as well.
1: Tackle for a loss. Uh Arquan Bush even had a tackle for a loss. So yeah. I mean, it's hard to sack
0: a team that runs triple options.
1: Now so, Army, what was interesting to me, obviously, aside from them throwing 20 passes in a game, which you never see, it feels like, Army throwing 20 passes in a game.
0: You, you would hear that said and you would go, Psh. you'd scoff at it. You'd go, Psh, what? No. But they were doing it because they had to. They had no other
1: option. Someone mentioned to me the next morning that, you know, they ha- yeah, that's what they mentioned. But at the same time, they were throwing early in the game. When they were ahead. They drop back Christian Harrison twice on one possession. I forgot about that. So why were they doing that?
0: I, I I think they were trying to maybe catch Cincinnati off guard. Maybe see if they could maybe eke out a couple long plays and then revert maybe go tempo, go quick and then just set up the triple option again, and then try to confuse Cincinnati's defense, maybe try to tire him out a little bit.
1: And that's the thing, because, like, I, I pointed out to you that they were getting away from their identity. Mm-hmm. They, were, they, they weren't being the well-coached team that they are. Like, they, well-coached teams, one characteristic about them is that they do what they do best often, and they didn't. Like, how many times did they run the football? Now, they, they ran the football, obviously, way more times than they passed the football. Don't get, don't get me wrong there. They ran
0: it 43 times.
1: Forty-three,
0: and Christian Anderson obviously ran it the most, being quarterback uh, twenty-two times.
1: But they passed the ball twenty times, and given that this is Army,
0: that's weird. I thought they only ran sixty-three plays, but continue.
1: given that this is Army, like those are you know numbers that you don't normally see in a box score. Like they threw nine passes in their first two games,
0: and they completely they doubled, they more than doubled that in this game yeah before. now
1: given they had the lead in both those games early and they come and they just boat raced their next two opponents, and their, their first two opponents middle tennessee state and ul monroe but at the same time like they were getting completely away from who they are
0: yeah not only that but also cincinnati's defense holding army to 182 yards that's another thing you wouldn't really expect even the guys on game day were like ah, oh, like i don't know like and rightfully so, they were like, "Oh, like I don't know, like Army could upset Cincinnati." And you know, we were thinking the same thing. Like, it is possible; it could happen. This is a really good Army. Yeah, team. the
1: first three cores of the game yeah, yeah, confirmed that. Much,
0: it very much looked like that for a lot of the game, but Cincinnati was able to come out on top and, and eke out a win. And you really, really, if you're a Cincinnati fan, I don't know that you could really. If you're a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan, I don't know that you could be happier right now. We'll get to the Reds just a little bit. Uh, I don't know if there's really a whole <laughs> lot more to go on for cincinnati uh james smith had five punts for 231 yards which is that's pretty impressive his longest was a 52 i'll run. say this he averaged 46.2 i'll
1: say this luke fickle said last week leading up to the game that army had a slot back that can hit the home run play every time they ran inside the bearcats were all over it mm-hmm. elijah ponder curtis brooks yep. michael pitts when it got to the outside. Ethan Tucky, Malik Van, let me tell you, they prevented the in, the inside handoff was not working for Army the entire game.
0: It wasn't working for us either. Army's defense did a good job of stopping Cincinnati's, but yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's a really good point, actually. The Army's only hope was to either go to the air or get to the edge, and that, that's all they had going for them um, because, as Pat McAfee mentioned on game day, uh, if you're going to defend the triple option, what you've got to have is a really, really good defensive line. And that's what we have. And you have four, or even maybe five or six, like seniors up front on the defensive line, or at least veterans at the very least, who have done this a time or two. You know, they. Uh, Michael Pitts has played Navy before. He's practiced the triple option, so he can teach some of the younger guys, the less experienced guys. Hey, do this, do that. And the Marcus Freeman, of course, can do that too. So can Luke Fickle. And they just did a great job teaching these, and when I say new guys, I mean new to defending the triple option, such as Jabari Taylor and Curtis Brooks and, you know, whomever else. But they did a great job. They're all veterans. They're all seniors. And and really, you couldn't ask for a better defensive line than I feel like the one that we have now, except maybe the 2018 defensive line, which was utterly stacked. But I would almost pit this one up against, against that one. It has more depth. It really does, and, and that's the great thing is, is you know, you look at the, the Navy game from 2018, yeah, you know, they held them to 124, 125 yards rushing, they held Navy to 124 yards rushing, rather, um, and, you know, Army, of course, gained more yardage, but this these are two totally different teams, Army is a better team now than Navy was in 2018, just period, the end, so to only give up, like, 60 almost additional yards, I mean... Whatever, and and no touchdowns, mind you, no touchdowns.
1: Yeah, and only two possessions that reached the red zone, mm-hmm. and this was the number twenty-two team in the country.
0: Yeah, big top twenty-five matchup, first first win a top twenty-five matchup in Newberry Stadium since yeah two thousand eight, since the Pitt Panthers came to town and, and tried to steal a BCS champ or <laughs> excuse me a Big East championship.
1: And this is Panthers. also this is also the fifteenth straight home win. For the Bearcats,
0: go dating back to uh, was that the UConn game? Yeah, 2018? yes, yes. I'm sorry, 2017.
1: 20, se- yeah, yeah. I it's remember amazing that. to think that it's the I believe the sixth longest home winning streak in the country.
0: It's funny how how Cincinnati has these like home winning streak records or, or streaks like you know you look at Mick Cronin when he was here. Um, and he had he had the longest home winning streak for quite a while, and that that got upset by was it Wichita State? Yeah, Wichita State came into it was actually NKU Stadium, so while it wasn't like a true home game, it was still a home game for the Bearcats. Um, now they would go back to Fifth or Third Arena the next year and lose to Ohio State in the home opener, which sucked. But point being. Cincinnati just like these home winning streets, it's it's, it's kind of crazy to
1: see. They don't lose at home.
0: They really have, They don't. I mean, two consecutive years of not losing at home, two six and zero years at home. That's that's remarkable.
1: It it really is, and you think about some of the games that they've had to, you know, work and claw their way to win. But and UCF was one of those wins. I mean, this this program they they've established a winning culture in four, in just three plus years under Luke Fickle. And now we head into conference play, and I'm telling you right now, uh, it's 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 a gauntlet the way it's the way it's spaced out. I'm telling you right now, this this game on Saturday against USF, it's a game it's a game you need to win. Yes, it's a game you should win. Quite frankly, now it's I, a game you should destroy them. in,
0: really, uh, I mean, I would think so. I mean, it is a conference rivalry, but
1: it is well. I mean, you've seen what USF has given us over the years. I mean. They beat they beat the Bearcats three straight years in fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. And fifteen in those three those three wins, they weren't even they weren't even close.
0: No, no, Cincinnati got yeah they got. Luke,
1: Fick, Luke Fickle them. will say it. Luke Fickle said it that they completely outplayed him down in Tampa. That
0: game was over in, in twenty
1: seventeen. That, that game was play. over. That game was over in the uh, on that pick six to end the first half. Yeah, that
0: was
1: bad. Um, twenty eighteen. USF was still. Um,
0: they, I think they may have been just freshly unranked.
1: Yeah, because they had lost their previous two games. They got off to a good start. Remember, they hit a touchdown like their second play from scrimmage, and then Michael Warren's like, give me the ball. Yep, he had a great game. Three touchdowns and 150 yards that night. It was a Heisman trophy worthy performance, if you ask me. Um, so the Bearcats won that game here 35 23. It was a really cold night, if I remember. Actually, I had In, not I, I remember. USF. It was freezing. It was very, it was very cold that night. Very cold. Oh gosh. I mean, I I I talked to you before that game, like, and I was, I had like five layers on that night.
0: It was very, it was very cold. I didn't film that game. I filmed part of that game, but yeah, no. USF was very cold. Temple this past year was very. very oh cold. gosh. Uh, UCF was cold to a degree. It wasn't bad. Um, I mean, the Florida team they had heaters on their sideline because you know they're from Florida, so they're delicate.
1: So. But, what I, was, what I, was gonna, what I was gonna say is last year's game at USF. That was a struggle. Now, that granted, was, that was cold too, Given, actually. given, Desmond Ritter was hurt. He never should have been out there. He
0: did. I remember. I do remember him actually like limping a little bit in the game. I kind of forgot about that detail. What well,
1: was a shoulder injury that he sustained in the? On like the first drive of the game, if I remember. And
0: I, mean, he, I think he got tackled out of bounds. But didn't
1: it just maybe. seem like that game was going to play out the way it did? Because whoa! Oh,
0: I told the guy next to me our game plan. I was like, by the way. If we get desperate and we want to win this game, like in the second half, I'm telling you right now, our QB is going to, going to run the ball. And guess what? Desmond ran the ball. But, but that's what we do. But the desperate. play
1: that saved our tails was Desmond was getting sacked, and then all of a sudden, he just kind of popped a little screen pass to Michael Warren, who took it 30 yards mm-hmm. on, the, on the final drive. Now we were also aided by USF's kicker Spencer Schrader missing four field goals in the game. That was huge. I mean that was it was, it was almost automatic that he was gonna miss. Now I do feel bad for him. You missed four field goals in a game, and I and I get it that USF football, I'm not sure how popular it is down there. If I had to guess, I'd say it's not overly especially now with the Buccaneers being really, really good. And UCF and, and their Florida. hockey team just won the Stanley Cup.
0: Miami now even making a
1: surge. They looked really good last week. They're looking pretty good, yeah. Yeah, they they could could they give Clemson a run for their money?
0: No. No, you're I, not. I, I don't. Th- I'm not convinced. I think Clemson's too good of a program. Too many good players. Too great of a defense. I just I don't see Dabo Sweeney losing to to Miami. I don't. I I, I could be proven wrong. I, 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 Miami lose, Notre I Miami
1: Notre Dame though will be a really good game.
0: Yeah, I can't. Be, that'll be a good matchup. Um, do you have any other points you wanted to make about well, anything else?
1: Um, just with USF, like I mean, the last two games have been close, and mm-hmm. last year it was it was a claw. But I mean. The Bearcats made plays on defense. Uh, Wilson Huber had a block on special teams. Michael Warren—I don't remember his exact numbers. I know I think he had a touchdown that game, but uh, it was a—it was a struggle. But really give give the Bearcats credit for battling back. They trailed ten nothing, and uh, I mean USF Gibbon was playing for their li- was playing for their bowl eligibility lives. I think they were four and five going into that game. I think they were, and I, and I knew it was going to be close. Like, Luke Figgle said this before the ECU game. That the Bearcats had earned the right to get every team's best shot, and the Bearcats are built in a way where they have enough flaws that you can that you can play with them. They're not UCF. UCF has very few flaws. You just have to find. You just have to stop them. That's what you have to do. That's why we beat them. We simply stop them defensively. Mm-hmm. With the Bearcats, it's. Last year his was offensive line wasn't very good. There, uh, Kobe Bryant was a was a big enough weak link at corner. Too many
0: penalties, most penalized team. In the exactly,
1: yeah, and looking
0: or, a lot better this year, I must say.
1: Ritter's inability to um, throw the football to the perimeter. So, yeah, that's why the games were so close last year. But this is a game you should win. Tulsa on the road in two weeks. Tulsa's gonna play you tough. I, I don't doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a game you should win. SMU. I mean, that's that's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, too, bad we, too bad we can't travel for real games. That's why we're trying to figure out how to do remote broadcasts for those games. Wouldn't that be mm-hmm. fun?
0: That would be. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and take a, just a quick look. But then the gauntlet football. of the
1: schedule comes the last half of the season. Memphis, Houston, ECU, UCF, and Temple. I mean, it's a tough schedule. Look, this conference does not get enough credit for how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So what? So what are you? What are you? What are we doing now? Just
0: gonna do a quick recap of this past weekend in college football. Great so week in college football. Really was. Alabama went into Missouri and destroyed it. Well, not so much destroyed them actually. It was thirty eight to nineteen final score there. What was
1: Mac Jones' stats? Eighteen uh, of twenty four, two forty nine 2 Mac
0: Jones had a great game. Two touchdowns. Uh, Najee Harris, great game. Jalen Waddle even had a pretty good game. Another, uh, another
1: Alabama receiver.
0: K-State went into Norman, upset number three, Oklahoma at home, 38-35. to 35. Uh, Spencer Rattler had four touchdowns passing, 387 yards, 30 for 41. Still I my pick he, for the Heisman. I believe two interceptions as well. Uh, so people are now still, qu- people, you know, of course, after one loss, they're like, oh, Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, you're not going to be the hype. High- Give him time. Come
1: on. They lost to Kansas State last year and were down 28-3 to Baylor on the road. Came back and won that game and found themselves in the college football playoff. I Now... I was rooting
0: for Baylor so hard last season. I wanted them to go to the playoff.
1: It would have been really nice to see a new team kind of, you know, take That's over exactly in the Big reasoning. 12. Okay, yeah. Now, okay. Given Oklahoma, I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll beat Texas.
0: I don't think that they'll
1: go to the playoff now, though, because of that loss. It's... I don't it's going to be hard because the way this season is the way this season is being played. If the SEC has an undefeated team that wins the championship, they're obviously in. But if they have a really good one-loss team that gives that undefeated team a run for their money in the SEC championship game, guess what? The, the SEC team will go over the Big Twelve champion mm. if it's Oklahoma.
0: I, I would have to, yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. All uh, right. Trying to get some high school games pulled up well, here, you, but,
1: you didn't even finish the college. I know. I, I'm gonna. I'm just trying to. Okay. Up,
0: I'm trying to pull up high school. Uh, Georgia defeating Arkansas Handley, 37 to 10. They actually struggled most of the game. Um,
1: what was what was Jamie Newman's? Uh, Jamie
0: Newman's not playing this year.
1: Oh, that's.
0: He opted out.
1: Oh, that's right. It's JT Daniels. What was JT Daniels? I, it's, I don't know. They're not. uh you well, can click, We can click on the box score. They just they'll just show you the top passer, which I guess was Arkansas, or whoever Georgia's quarterback was.
0: Oh yeah, Felipe Franks plays at Arkansas. I forgot about that. Stetson Bennett, who is that?
1: I that's new to me. I thought JT Daniels would be the starter, but I thought he would too, but apparently
0: right. he's not playing or something. Florida handling Old Miss at Old Miss. LSU going down at home 44 to 34 against Mississippi State and Mike Leach and his Bulldogs. Ed Orgeron. I mean, they dropped like eighteen spots or something.
1: They they dropped mm. really, really far. Yeah, they fell to number twenty. Give Mississippi State credit. Maybe Mike Leach is not so much the class clown of college football. KJ Costello six hundred and twenty three passing yards.
0: Yeah, he and set an SEC record. He set the yeah. SEC record. It
1: still baffles me. Yards. That's the only. That's only the eleventh highest total in FBS history for a quarterback. That is really passing insane. yards. I mean, that's insane.
0: That's got to go back to like whatever whoever number one is, which Patrick was Mahomes. Yeah,
1: Patrick Mahomes and Connor Holiday. Jeez.
0: Yeah, and so LSU, got to be devastated by a home-opening loss. Kentucky. Florida played well, two.
1: too. Their quarterback, Kyle Trask. Kyle
0: Trask, he was a third-string, too. Or was he? No, he's was a second-string. He was the
1: backup behind Felipe Franks, who was injured in the Kentucky game last year for Dude Florida. Was
0: not a good quarterback. I, I, I never really had faith in Felipe Franks. I remember coming into last season, Kirk He was like, yeah, i got faith in Felipe. I think he's going to do well. It's a shame, though, that he
1: got hurt. He ended up transferring to Arkansas.
0: Yeah, he did, uh, where they were trust, crushed by Georgia, as we mentioned earlier. Number eight, Auburn defeating number 23, Kentucky at home. That was actually a tough game for Auburn. Texas somehow, somehow pulling out a win on the road. There were two minutes left, and they were down by two touchdowns. They fielded an onside kick. and Oh, Texas really? Tech, oh, yeah. Go back and watch the footage. Because I
1: remember when we were calling the game on Saturday, like Texas was driving down eight. I didn't know they had to score a touchdown before that.
0: Uh, maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe they ended up winning by a uh, touchdown. They had to score two to win. Is I think what I was maybe trying to say. By the way, either well, way, Texas was down quite a bit and had to make a comeback, and they they did. Now there's no defense in 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 the Big Twelve, as we know. By
1: the way, Auburn Georgia Saturday night.
0: That'll be a fantastic college game,
1: game day. Will be in Athens. Should be a should be it should be a really good game.
0: Yeah, and look at this: Texas A and M just barely edging out Vanderbilt seventeen to twelve.
1: And they play defense in the SEC.
0: And they do that indeed. Miami, number 12, crushing Florida State. It's barely even a rivalry anymore. I mean, Florida State is 0-2, for crying out loud. I mean, they lost to Georgia Tech. Who lost to UCF? Uh, speaking of UCF, they defeated East Carolina 51-28. to Oklahoma State beating West Virginia 27-13. to Tennessee beating South Carolina 31-27. to I believe that was at... South Carolina. It was. Like it is from the thumbnail of that video there. BYU defeating Troy. Louisiana defeating Georgia Southern by a field goal, uh, at a last-second field goal. Virginia Tech defeating NC State. Pitt beating Louisville twenty-three to twenty. That's Louisville's second straight loss. Their previous loss coming to Miami. The and
1: ACC maybe is better than we than, way better than it was last year. I mean, you got Miami, Florida. Approaching the top 10. Notre Dame in the top 10. You know who Clemson is? Virginia Tech's ranked. Pitt's ranked. It's not
0: having a bad year. For no. Sure,
1: yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see what we got coming up this week, Sean. Number one, Clemson back in action. They're posting Virginia 8 o'clock on the ACC network. Uh, the line is Clemson at minus 28. I think that's about right. I think Clemson will find a way to yeah. handle Virginia. Virginia is a solid team. They went to the Orange Bowl last year, but don't expect much.
0: I was ba- I was kind of bummed when they lost it. Actually, I was rooting for them. They
1: were playing. They they played Florida in that game. Uh, noon on ESPN, South Carolina number three, Florida. and a minus seventeen and a half. Give me Florida in that game. Fox at noon. You got number nine, Texas hosting TCU. That'll be a great matchup. Probably a high scoring game. Texas is favorite at minus twelve. Over under sixty three. Take the over in that game. Uh, Number 21, Tennessee is hosting Missouri at noon on the SEC Network. At noon on the ACC Network, number 24, Pitt will host NC State. And then CBS at 3.30, number 13, Texas A&M, and number 2, Alabama.
0: Square out. That that might be a good game. Uh, It's either going to be a total blowout by Alabama, or it's actually going to be a really close game from Texas A&M.
1: Alabama is -17 and a half over under on that game 51 and a half. Thanks. I would take the
0: I'll take the over. Not hard, but I'll take the I'll over. I'll take
1: the over. Yeah, like you said, not hard, but I will. ABC at 3:30 North number 12 North Carolina at Boston College. Go Eagles. ESPN 3:30 number 17 Oklahoma State at Kansas. ESPN 2 at 3.30, number 25, Memphis at SMU.
0: That'll be a great game. I mean, last year's matchup was nothing short of exciting. College game day went there, and it was a very high-scoring game. Yeah. And SMU actually made a little bit of a surge in the fourth quarter, and then when everyone thought they were dead, they they actually almost, I wouldn't say completed a comeback, but they they came pretty close to what, what could have been a comeback. The
1: story of that game was... Um, Antonio Gibson for Memphis had about, like, 400 all-purpose yards in that game. He was fantastic. Um, Memphis is minus three. This is Memphis's first game, though, since Saturday, September 4th. Mm -hmm. If you can i am sorry, September 5th. And that was their season opener. And then, of course, Auburn, Georgia, we mentioned them. ESPN 2 at 7.30, number 11, UCF is hosting Tulsa. ABC at 7.30, number 18, Oklahoma at Iowa State. That's a big time trap game. Yep. And then finally, number 20, LSU is at Vanderbilt. I don't know, Sean. I mean, LSU, like you and I were talking about this. They lost 17 starters from last year's team. And by the way, someone someone called it in the first game in the post-Joe Burrow era. Was it an era when Joe Burrow was there? Because if, because if I remember correctly, as great as he is, he only had one great year.
0: Uh, it's, well, he had one completely outstanding year, but even his previous year was pretty good. I mean, a, 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 a win in the Fiesta Bowl against UCF, he took a hit in that game, <laughs> we all remember. I mean, Joe Burrow didn't have a bad year the year before that, so I would say, yeah, it was kind of an era. Now, it, it wasn't like, uh, 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 who am I trying to say, who, who was a quarterback for Ohio State for the longest freaking time uh jt barrett jt barrett or andrew luck
1: at stanford
0: jt barrett was there for what felt like forever uh you know that was four years i think of jt barrett was like of course he you know he broke all these records you're like look at him he's a great court it's like no he was just there for a really long time but anyway you mentioned the iowa state game um I don't know if it's really a trap game. I feel like Oklahoma's going to win big in that game just because of the way that Iowa State played last week. Their quarterback, just not that good. He really Brock I mean, Purdy? Yeah, he, he, had a, he had a terrible... Did you see that interception? Oh, in that, oh, oh that was terrible. That was, that was just off. Like, why? why? Why would you even do that? It, it didn't make any sense.
1: Iowa State, though, did beat TCU, which is a great bounce-back performance from their first game against uh, Louisiana, where they just got blow-raced off their own field. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's college football coming up this week. That's just the top 25. Also, number 16, Mississippi State, didn't mention this. They're hosting Arkansas. So good slate of football on Saturday. Of course, our game, the Bearcats, number 15, hosting USF at 330 on ESPN+. The Bearcats currently at minus 22. The over-under is 47. I will go ahead, Sean, and take a slight, I will, ooh, I don't know. What was the line here again? Uh, UC at minus 22. Really?
0: I, you know, I might, well, I might take the under on here. Soft under.
1: I might take a soft under too, because I'm trying to see how this game could go over, but I don't know. I mean, USF, you have to understand, they're going to come in, they're going to come in ready to play. I agree. I mean, outside of UCF, this is this is the game that they're going to mostly get up for, mm-hmm. because of what UC has done the previous two years, and the fact that they be, they have beaten UCF, USF the previous two years. Sure, you can't sleep on the Bulls.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, you you really can't. I mean, conference play is tough no matter who you're playing. ECU and USF showed that uh, both away games, which makes it harder. But you know, even Temple gave us a run for our money. Barely winning fifteen to thirteen that game, the difference there was Kobe Bryant running back a two point conversion. Yeah, ninety plus yards because of a block from Lorenz Metz, and you can't take conference play not seriously. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. I mean, look at what look at Oklahoma State and Kansas State. That's a perfect example right there. You're Oklahoma. You got Spencer Rattler, and I think what was the stat we saw fifty one four and five stars on Oklahoma's team. Zero for Kansas State. Guess who won. Kansas State. You wouldn't expect that.
1: I mean, any team can win on any given Saturday. I know there's not. I know there's not a lot of parity in college football overall. But at the same time, uh, if you're not playing at the top of your game for 60 minutes, you, you, you can lose. Yeah. All right, Sean. What do we got coming up in the in the uh, high school football?
0: Uh, you know, I'm actually having a tough time here finding it. Uh, they're they don't exactly organize this by weekly very well. Let me um, see if Channel
1: Five has. Here we go. I'm
0: on the Enquirer. I now have to unblock my ads here, so let me get that knocked out of the way really quickly, and I should have Week Six matchups going. Right here in just a second. So here we go. So Mason taking on Lakota West. Mason at four and one. Uh, Lakota West at four and zero. Oh. That should actually. Ooh, be a that great should be a great one. Uh, that should be a great game. Hamilton is playing Cole Rain, both three and two. Uh, Hamilton started off zero and two, which is not surprising. I mean, I don't really know anything about Hamilton football. It's good bounce back. Their jerseys do look kind of cool, though. Turpin is taking on Winton Woods. That'll be a great game. Turpin, actually a pretty good football school. Uh, Winton Woods, also a great football school. Dave Elder a run for our money uh, a couple of years ago. Um, So definitely watch out for them. Moeller sitting at 1-4, taking on 3-2 LaSalle. Uh, That'll be a great matchup. Maybe, I don't know if LaSalle, probably just steamroll Moeller, which is kind of how that typically goes nowadays. Mount Healthy at 2-3, taking on a 4-1 Ross team. Give me Ross there. Uh, Fayetteville Perry at Bethel
1: Tate. Did you mention uh, Princeton and Fairfield?
0: I have not gotten that yet, but go ahead.
1: The Prin- I- I'm just looking at WLWTs. Um, they've got all the games listed. So Princeton and Fairfield. I mean, those are two always solid teams in the GMC. Uh, just kind of going on down. You got Loveland and Kings, and then you got and then you got the Kentucky games listed as well. Um, Little Miami, Lebanon. I don't know why I mentioned that. McNick is taking on
0: Baden. McNick sitting at 4-1. and Baden at 5-0. Uh, getting into a little bit of Kentucky football. Highlands at 1-2, taking on Connor. Dixie Heights at Beechwood.
1: Ryle is going to take on Scott County. Um, uh,
0: does Ellard have an off week or something this week? It's It's not mentioning... There's no way that's all Deer Park
1: against Marymont. uh, Ludlow and Lloyd Memorial. Taff versus Withrow. Newport will take on Bellevue. Grant County against Frederick Douglass.
0: I think Elder maybe is playing Cathedral this week. I'm not entirely sure about that. I'm currently trying to find a website that actually gives me this information that would be really nice right about now. Um...
1: Yeah, that's um,
0: if Cincinnati.com could stop having me unpause my ad blocker, that'd be really awesome. So I could get to just love those. Uh, Elder is taking on St. Xavier this week, though. Elder at 4 1 taking on St. Xavier 5 0, who is also the GCL champions. So, congratulations to St. X. As much as I don't want to say, did you,
1: you, I cannot believe you just said that on air. I
0: have, you know, I got to give props to St. X. I really wasn't expecting them to win it this year, but I really got to give them props. I Hope they have a great year. I hope maybe they even make it pretty far in the state tournament. Maybe we'll see them in the state tournament. Who knows? Last time
1: they won a state championship was 2016. Their quarterback was Sean Clifford, who went to Penn State.
0: I remember that game, actually. They were taking on Saint, Cleveland, St. Ignatius. Uh,
1: went to double they, overtime.
0: Went to double overtime. That was a fantastic—I was actually pulling really hard for St. X. I really wanted them to win because, you know, I want my conference to have another championship. I want the GCL to be a more revered
1: yeah, you Yeah, and you want Cincinnati. Yeah, that's because true. there's so many good teams. Like it was, it was like that with Cole Rain. It was like that with um, El- with your Elder Panthers last year getting the state title.
0: Oh, this is weird. This looks like a different matchup. Sycamore taking on Cole Rain. I feel like that was different before. But anyway, yeah, you brought up Elder. That was a disappointing loss. Um, would have loved to have seen Elder win a state championship. Wait, Elder and
1: Saint X wasn't that last week?
0: No, I think you're thinking of uh, Saint X. Maybe wait, maybe you're all right Hang on, maybe, you're, really maybe
1: you're maybe maybe you're looking at ones from last week because I, I thought yeah, elder right. I thought elder had already finished their g c l slate
0: oh you're right how could yeah how could Saint be G c l champions if they hadn't beaten elder yeah i'm sorry I'm sorry Cincinnati.com dot me all the wrong things that, well maybe you, uh, you just put maybe you clicked
1: game on game. a a link that went to an article that was published last week or a week prior. Uh, maybe so who will elder play this week would it be cathedral it might be it
0: might be uh cathedral i'll see if i can maybe pull that up here Uh, um we've got
1: about nine minutes left here so we've gone through college football high school football um i will say this um there is some great nfl action this week Mm uh i mean the bengals look (laughs) they didn't lose last week but they didn't win either so oh
0: wait a minute hang on here yeah, okay, all right, so the freshman teams are taking on St. X. Okay, that's really weird. Yeah, but no, Elder is Elders Varsity team is taking on Indianapolis Cathedral. That'll be a great game. Tune into that if you care to. Um, but anyway, back
1: to... I was just going to briefly run through the, the NFL schedule this week. So um, the Bengals are back home this week for the first time since week one. They're hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bengals still looking for their first win. Joe Burrow, though... Uh, he's looked very, very good the the previous two weeks. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, and he now has five touchdowns and only one interception on the season. Mm-hmm. In addition to a rushing touchdown. But this week, what do you got? You got the the Browns and the Cowboys as the game of the week on Fox. That will, I, I think, that will be a very good game. It would not that shock.
0: Might be a pretty good game.
1: It would not shock me one bit if the Browns went into Dallas and won.
0: Dallas gave uh, Seattle a pretty good run. They for their did.
1: Money home. Yeah, all right. And Perfect. then Seattle. later on CBS, New England and Kansas City in Kansas City. Always a great matchup when those two teams get together. Uh, Kansas City, look, I mean, they didn't look that great in their first two games. And then Patrick Mahomes went out on Monday night, Sean, in Baltimore. And he was otherworldly mm-hmm. 31 of 42 for 385 yards and four touchdowns, including. A rushing touchdown. He now has, I believe, eight touchdowns in the year to no interceptions.
0: And a baby on the way.
1: Yeah. And $500 million. And he just got engaged. So So you can maybe count that as nine touchdowns. He's he's doing okay. Uh, Sunday night football, Philadelphia and San Francisco. And then Monday night football, it will be the Falcons and the Packers. Two lopsided matchups no, in terms on paper. Um,
0: Packers should kick their their high knees. We'll see. Atlanta's like,
1: offense can put up points, but so can Green Bay's.
0: Yeah, Green Bay's defense is probably remotely better.
1: I would say so. Yeah. And Atlanta has a defensive coordinator running their team, so and their defense is still not very good. All right, so earlier today, Sean obviously disappointing. Mm-hmm. The Reds coming up a little. well the reds missing on some huge opportunities definitely in their one to nothing 13 inning loss to the braves in game one of the wild card series trevor bauer seven and two-thirds innings 12 strikeouts and gets a no decision
0: yeah that's that's really that really stinks for trevor bauer i mean he had he had a great game and Really, it felt like today he was the entire team, more or less. Cincinnati's favorite habit is stranding the crap out of, out of, out of runners. I mean, leave them out there to die, basically. It's, it's incredible how often Cincinnati, not even just this season, but previous seasons, in the last decade, I would even say. I'm not even sure how long you can maybe even extend that to. Just how much they've left batters on base, especially when they're full, especially when there's a guy in scoring position. I mean, come on. It, it really is heartbreaking it, it's it's just frustrating but it's it's life as a Cincinnati fan so it's nothing new
1: 27 percent of runners that the Reds had in scoring position reached or, or scored rather that was the lowest in major league baseball today the Reds went one for 12 with runners in scoring position um the Reds had 11 hits in the game and no runs to show for it Atlanta had six hits. Three of them coming in the bottom of the 13th inning, and they got that one run. It was a walk-off single by Freddie Freeman, who probably will win the National League MVP. Uh, Frustrating loss, but tomorrow the Reds get another crack at it. It is an elimination game, Game 2. It's a noon start time. It will be uh, Luis Castillo for the Reds. The Braves, Sean, if you don't mind pulling that up tomorrow. Tomorrow.
0: Uh, if I could maybe get as a to, pull up here. I'm as sure. to who
1: the Braves are going to send to the mound, if they had him, it would be Mike Soroka, but he was injured earlier in the season. Might have to go to. Actually, I can. He, I he, sure. he was injured earlier in the season, so he will not be going tomorrow for the, the Braves. Uh, game two is at noon, and I believe that is on ESPN.
0: Also, don't forget that I think that was the first time that through a through however many innings, that was like the longest stretch of scoreless baseball in the postseason. It is the
1: longest, if I'm not longest, um, scoreless, longest scoreless game in Major League Baseball postseason history was set today, hmm. and also the most strikeouts. The Braves are going to go with Ian Anderson.
0: To pull this up on ESPN.
1: Luis Castillo you can you can say about his struggles this season he was four no with a 1.26 era and four September starts before uh, four runs and four frames on Saturday I'm not gonna really worry about that uh Ian Anderson um first postseason appearance he made six MLB starts this season so he's a bit of a he, he's a little bit uh less experienced as Luis Castillo Sure, that's only 10% of games. But this will be Luis Castillo's first postseason start.
0: It'll be interesting to see if he can the pressure. It will be. And I really want Sonny Gray. I said it before the show, I really want Sonny Gray to get a chance. He is... I have loved Sonny Gray since he's joined this program, this institution, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Franchise organization. Franchise organization, whatever, this, that, and the other. I have loved him since he's joined because I think I I really like his commitment and his attitude. And quite frankly, I, I... I honestly think it's a mistake not playing Sonny Gray. I really do. I could be proven wrong tomorrow. I might be proven wrong tomorrow but really I am gonna say I told you so tomorrow if we end up losing now that can you imagine them gain
1: can you imagine getting a game three sudden death with Sonny Gray on the mountain I take my chances I would I take I, my, I take my chances to at least have the game be winnable considering what our offense couldn't do today.
0: Yeah, the, the offense is really the biggest struggle that I think everyone knew coming into this postseason and really just this season in general. The offense was the biggest question. The pitching has been—I'm not worried, pretty good.
1: And the bullpen today, Rasta Iglesias was lights out. Michael Lorenzo was lights out. So I'm not—it's just if our lineup can string together some runs. Now the Braves can easily explode tomorrow as well with the, with their lineup. I mean, they got some power in that lineup. Yeah,
0: they did mention that like their 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 roster, their lineup is just is just stacked full of guys that can hit dinger after dinger after dinger. After you didn't
1: dinger. have guys that, can hit, that hit just over 300. You had guys that hit in 330, 340. That's pretty darn good. Now, darn good. we got about 90 seconds left, Sean. Let's give some score predictions for Saturday. We'll, we'll, we'll miss having you on the, uh, the call this week.
0: I, I will not be there, unfortunately. Yeah, I Sorry to say, but... Uh, you know, I'm going to go Cincinnati 38, uh, USF 15...
1: Okay, 38-15. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. I, I, I'm i just concerned about the Bearcats rushing game, and I think in the end, though, Desmond Ritter will be the reason why the Bearcats end up winning this game. I'll say 31-17, the Bearcats get it done, get to 3-0, and get to the bye week with some much-needed rest. Uh, yours truly, Zach Freeze, Preston Stober on the call this week for the Bearcats and the Bulls. Pre-game coverage starts at 3 o'clock on Bearcatsmedia.com.
0: Alright everyone, thanks for listening and tuning into this week's edition of Inside the Two Seventy Five Loop. And happy be sure to tune in on Saturday for the USF game at three thirty, which will also be on ESPN plus if you have
1: it. It's also International Podcast Day, so we wish you a happy that. Happy that as well. And with that being said, see you Saturday. Go Bearcats.